Hey everyone, my name is Mohamed Asadullah, and I'm your host for Freelance Canada, a show about what it's really like to freelance in Canada. Each week, I interview Canadian freelancers and industry experts as they get candid about the ever-challenging, always exciting, and sometimes hilarious aspects of freelancing. November is Financial Literacy Month in Canada. Throughout the month, organizations from across the country are encouraged to share resources that can help Canadians make better decisions about their finances. To celebrate Financial Literacy Month, all of our episodes in November will explore financial topics that can enable Canadian freelancers to build a better relationship with money. As you reflect on your finances this month, please send us your questions on Twitter and Instagram at BetterWithBenji. We'd love to hear from you. On the show today, I'm going to talk to Zandile Chawanza. Zandile is a self-proclaimed budget warrior and a personal finance journalist on a mission to improve financial health among Canadians, especially newcomers. As a former international student, Zandile knows firsthand the challenges of navigating an unfamiliar system without a thorough understanding of one's financial resources. She channels her financial savvy and app for writing into a clear but thundering call to action. Get your mindset and your money right. In just a few years, she has proven herself a force within the industry and has gained a recognition for her work to highlight the connection between financial wellness, mental health, and race. In this episode, Sandila and I talk about how Canadian freelancers can improve their financial well-being and take a more mindful approach to pay down their debt. So let's get to it. So before we get started, Let's start by understanding what is it that you do as a freelancer and perhaps even how you got started. I am a journalist. At the moment, I'm a full-time personal finance writer. I started being passionate about personal finance back in 2018. And that's when I started freelance writing for a blog called Debt Free Black Girl. And from there, I've basically been writing about personal finance as a freelancer until about last year where I started writing full-time for personal finance blog. But right now, I still freelance, particularly writing about financial wellness. And Debt-Free Black Girl, how did that come about? Uh, It's a funny story with Debt-Free Black Girl. I actually DM'd the founder on Twitter. She was super vocal about personal finances, and I had never seen anyone who looked like me talk about finance like that. So with personal finance, the industry is pretty standard. It would be older white men or people who just didn't look like me, to be frank. So I'd obviously take the advice, but I'd be like, I can't relate to a lot of this. Like most of this advice just doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't apply to my lifestyle. It just seemed like I couldn't quite grasp what they were talking about. So when I saw Kristen Winchester, I was like, I want to know her. So I DM'd her and I ended up writing for her and I still work for her to this day. It's one of my freelance projects. I'm a community manager for a platform called Her Therapy Space. And what exactly is the focus of the community and who's involved in that community? So Her Therapy Space is actually a mental health practice that is based in Washington, D.C. But the idea is to help ambitious, young multifaceted women of color like me to manage their mental health through major life transitions. 
in terms of the community, I help other women manage their mental health online. We have a community that is currently in test mode and will be launched later this year. Awesome. So how did you go from writing for debt-free Black girl to now being part of the her therapy space, which is more around mental health? What are the two doing together? So something I'm really passionate about is spreading the message that mental health and money really go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. From personal experience, most of my financial poor decisions come from when I was doing the worst mentally. So I had low self-esteem after graduating from university with no job prospects. I was working contract and freelancing and not making very much money. And it's ironic that that's when I spent the most money. I was buying dresses. I had my hair done all the time. Spending, 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 right? And That was because I was trying to, as they call it, do retail therapy to cover up for my life just not being where I wanted it to be. And it was not until I got a call from a collections agent that kind of woke me up (laughs) where I was like, okay, you need to get your life together. So that's where financial wellness really comes in because you have to take control of your finances. That's what wellness means, like taking control of your life and your finances. So for me, that's why mental health and money go hand in hand. It's sort of a newer concept, but a lot of people are starting to understand that, you know, when it comes to personal finance, it's not always about financial literacy. Wellness plays a huge, huge role in that. Let's get a better understanding of what that means then. Having this mental health aspect does tie into your finances because mental health or the space that you're in can affect your financial decisions. So what exactly is financial well-being or at least what does it mean to you? I really appreciate that you asked what does it mean to you because I think in general to sum it up, financial well-being is I'd say it's having control of your day-to-day finances. But for me, when I feel like the most financially healthy or fit, it's when I'm living within my means. I'm knowing that my net worth is not tied to like my self-worth. You know, I'm not judging myself for past mistakes I've made on my financial journey. I'm meeting my goals. That's really what, what it means to me. And how did you develop this practice of financial wellness for yourself? Well, for me, I think knowing my why is at the root of everything. So like you said, when you ask people, put a number on wealth, they can't really do that. So for me, it's never about the numbers. For me, it's asking myself, why am I doing this in the first place? And what does it mean to you or myself to be financially free? So in terms of like practice, I always keep my why at the center. And some of those reasons are, again, I want to be someone who I needed when I was younger. And I think a lot of the advice in personal finance is very black and white, like do this, do that, save X percent. And it's like, (laughs) not everybody can do that. And when I used to see that, I would be like, oh, I'm a failure because I can't save 20% of my income. And I think as a freelancer too, sometimes your, your income can be up and down. Like I saw a tweet the other day that was like, being a freelancer, one day you feel rich, the next day you're poor. So it's not going to help if I'm coming to you and I'm being like, save 20% of that income. No. So 
I think, again, when it comes back to developing my practice, another thing that really helped me is saying no more (laughs) and creating those healthy boundaries. Because if you say yes, yes, yes all the time, you're going to pour into other people and not like be able to practice your own financial well-being because you have your own goals that you Mm -hmm. need to meet. And sometimes that means you're saying no, you don't have that extra you know, mimosa at brunch. <laughs> <laughs> you have your your own goals that you're trying to meet. And it's different now with COVID, I will say. Like, that has brought a lot of perspective for me in terms of my financial goals, where before I was a very strict on myself because I wanted to meet my goals faster. But now I'm like, well, you kind of have to <laughs> realize that things happen. Like, it's not always in your control. And... How has COVID affected your financial well-being or even just your overall well-being? I'd say for me, it's really given me that kick in the butt, excuse my (laughs) language for that. But before, just before COVID, I actually wasn't saving money. I was so focused on paying off my debt and I wasn't saving. And that was a terrible idea. Like, you know, because there's something called debt relapse that happens. And it was happening to me a lot where I'd pay off my debt, pay off my debt, but something would come up and then I'd go right back into that debt because I have to cover the emergency. Right. Mm -hmm. So when COVID happened, I was like, listen, enough is enough. Being debt free is not everything. Right now I need to focus on saving money. So that's all I've been doing. Really, Anything extra goes to my savings. And I think as a freelancer, too, because you don't always have that thing to fall back on, it is good to have an emergency fund so that you're able to have something to fall back on. And what's been your approach to building this emergency fund? So I treat it like a bill, and that's with debt as well. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's the only way. Because you'll start to get ideas when you see the money, right? (laughs) So for me, I just allocate every penny. That's the way that I do it. So when I receive the money, I write it down, I look at it, take my time with it, not be like, okay, this is an opportunity to spend. So after bills, I put money towards my savings, and then I pay off my debt. And then after that, what is left is what I can start to allocate to other things, because I'm not saying that you have to cut every single thing out. You know, I have what I call a whatever you want fund, where I give myself You know, it doesn't even have to be much. To be honest, I give myself like $100 (laughs) where I'm like, listen, if you see, and everyone has a different things, right? I noticed that you're on a little whiskey journey, I think it was. Yes. So with your whatever you want fund, if you want to buy a bottle that's really expensive and it's Mm -hmm. $99.99, that's it, you know, (laughs) that's what you want to do, right? But at least you're not depriving yourself, right? Yeah. Because when you deprive yourself, you fall off. Like, that's what was happening to me. (laughs) So, yeah, I just like to equate it to, like, fitness. It's like, if you are on a fitness journey and you go on a super clean diet, at least, let me speak for myself. If I am super clean, I know that if I see a donut, I will be weak and then I'll eat four donuts, Mm. (laughs) right? So I kind of like implementing that where... You still can enjoy yourself on a budget. I don't want people to think that. That's what financial well-being is too. It's like nobody's saying, no, I'm never spending another cent again. That makes no sense. 
like you need to also give yourself something and treat yourself accordingly. I really like this idea of having a treat yourself fund. So in addition to this treat yourself fund, I really appreciated that you talked about having debt relapse, which a lot of people do end up experiencing, but don't really have a name to put to it. They know that it's happening, but they may not always understand why it's happening or what's causing it. So to have somebody explain that and walk through the details of it, I think that was very valuable. So thank you so much for that. In terms of getting a better sense now of like, okay, so here's where my money is going, here's what I'm going to allocate to, what has been sort of some of the things that you've tried to pay off your debt faster or be able to stretch out your debt so this way you're not paying as much? Or I guess a better question is, how are the different ways you've tried to manage your debt or reduce your debt in some manner? Yeah, that's a great question. So actually, my debt payoff journey started with a huge mistake, which is another reason why I'm so passionate about financial wellness. So what had happened was that I had like a credit card and I had a personal loan and my interest rates were so high. So when I was making payments, I felt like I was doing nothing because the interest charges were just so high. I mean, like when I added it up, it was something like, 31% in interest, right? And it was just, it was, it was so discouraging. Like, I really was like, I'm paying, I'm doing it, but nothing's happening. So what I did is I called the bank and I was like, I need help. Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I'm committed to paying my debt off, but it's really discouraging. So when I set up a meeting with the advisor, they actually said to me, okay, you can consolidate your debt which it's not an option for everybody. So you really have to do your research and make sure that it's something that will work for you. And that from my understanding, they're being a lot more strict about giving consolidating debt. But this was about a year ago. So it did work out for me. But what happened is that my minimum payments ended up being a lot higher because I was paying off one loan, which I wasn't ready for. But in the long run, it's making me pay off the debt much faster um, because paying your minimum payments is super important. That affects your credit score. So if you can't do anything, like if you feel like you can't put a lot of money towards your debt, my best advice is always to make at least the minimum payment and make it on time because you don't want your credit score to be harmed because of something like that. So now that I haven't really been putting as much towards debt because I've been focused on savings, but in the past, I would say that any windfall that came through or if I got a bonus or if I got one more project on hand, I would put that towards debt. And I would say that before I saw the money. Like, make that commitment before you see the money. Obviously, if you have an emergency, like, or you really wanted something, you've worked hard, and you're going to put money towards that, another way to do it is a hybrid approach. And that means that I say to myself, okay, I have this amount coming in. I wasn't expecting it. I'm going to put 50% towards debt 
30% towards savings and then the rest I can do whatever I want with it. And that kind of covers everything if you can't put it all towards the debt. And again, with your interest rates, don't be afraid to call your lenders and have these conversations with them. Like, what can you do to help me? Because I'm committed to paying the debt off, but I want it to be faster. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd say you can negotiate those things. Some people don't know that, but you actually can negotiate. And if you have a card, for example, that was a travel rewards card, nobody's going in here right now. Sorry. So <laughs> maybe call the bank and say, hey, can we change this to a low interest rate card with no fee so that I can pay off my debt? That's my goal right now. Because I think for a lot of people, some of the goals have shifted during this time. I do really appreciate you talking about consolidating your debt because to your exact point, a lot of people don't know that they can actually consolidate their debt. And I typically recommend people just go to Borrowell or Mogo or one of these sites where they can get their free credit score. And typically if it's over 700, 720 or higher, and they have reasonable income coming in, for a lot of them, they can very well just go into their banks and try and get a better rate on their existing loan or their line of credit. And for those who aren't able to get a better rate from their banks, please, please don't stop there. Instead, go to another bank and see if they might be interested in giving a better deal because a lot of the time that does happen because the other bank sees you as a new customer that they can now acquire because if they can give you a better rate on your loan or your line of credit then maybe you'll bring over your checking account and your credit cards so don't just stop at your current bank try and shop around as much as possible or at least one other bank or two where feasible the other question i did have was You mentioned you consolidated your debt and then now you had this payment that was much higher than what you were paying before. So the payment was much higher than you were expecting. Was that because your terms of loan were much shorter, like they were three or five years, and those were the only options that you could get? Or were you able to get a larger term, which could have helped to bring that payment amount lower? Exactly that, where it was the length of the term. It was shorter than I had anticipated, which at first was like super scary because I had projected years to pay off this loan. (laughs) But when I spoke to my financial advisor, which I just realized that before I didn't mention my mistake, before I consolidated my debt, I actually only had a credit card. And when I went to the bank, which we have to be careful about, you have to do a little bit of research sometimes because when I went there, Basically, I was an international student, so I didn't have many options. I wasn't a permanent resident. So what the advisor said was, okay, get a loan with a lower interest rate, pay off the credit card, and then you'll have a lower interest rate. That was my only option. And what do you think happened? I was not (laughs) very smart at that time. And I was going through what we have discussed before. I was not in the best place emotionally. So I spent the money. I squandered that loan, which doubled my debt. So that's why I'm saying now, when you're going to these advisors or any professional, I prefer people who have a sort of do-it-with-you approach rather than do it for you. Because if you don't understand what's actually happening, you can end up in a lot of trouble. For me, my advisor told me that, look, it's going to be a little bit of a higher minimum payment, but you're going to pay it off by this time. He kind of laid it out for me, and I was like, okay. That makes a lot of sense. 
and I was able to actually make those payments. Maybe if I was scared that I wouldn't be able to, I would have said no. But because I knew I could do it, honestly, it cut my time by a whole year. So it was for the best. In the past, I probably wouldn't have. <laughs> I probably <laughs> wouldn't have even asked those questions. It was more of a conversation than him telling me what to do. So you touched on something that a lot of people also don't know or think about is that the financial advisor at the bank is an employee of the bank. So when they're advising you or when they are giving you recommendations, please know that a lot of those are based on their own goals that they have to reach as the employee of the bank. So sometimes the alignment of what it is that's best for you versus what's best for them may not be there. So you have to be very critical of the advice that you're getting and the terms that you're getting and the products that are being offered to you. And which is why, again, I will uh, recommend that don't just go to one bank and try and get advice there. Go to a few different banks to see what sort of products are being recommended or what solutions really are being recommended when it comes to paying off your debt faster. That's great advice, and it's super valuable to tell people to shop around and compare. There are now sites that do that. Before, it would sort of be a manual thing, but you can literally go online. As you said, Borwell has that. We have sites like lowestrates.ca. We have so many places where we can actually make those decisions. It makes it easier to compare financial products. Like when you're booking a hotel or when you're looking for things to do, you do this research. So I think we need to apply that same energy when it comes to our finances. And also, I think something that I see a lot, maybe I don't have it because I only got to Canada as an adult, but some people it's like, well, my parents banked with this place, so I will bank with them. And I get that customer loyalty does have its benefits in Canada, but it's still good to visit these other websites and there's so many challenger banks these days that are doing the work and trying to reduce fees because I remember last year saying that Canadians pay like $159 a year on average I believe mm -hmm. um, for banking fees and it's like for me again I just like to reduce my expenses so that I can do more of the things that I actually want to do with my money so I think that when it comes to scrutinizing, that's with everything. That's with your expenses. That's with people you're getting advice from. Even in this age where there's so many different places you can get this information from, right? It's no longer just going to the bank. So even when it comes to financial influencers, as they like to call it these days, <laughs> you also have to take what they're saying with a grain of salt. I'm sure I'm not everyone's cup of tea either because I'm so, you know, putting this thing where it's like financial literacy is not everything. It's important, but financial wellness is also a super important piece. I like to sort of take advice from a lot of different people and see what everyone's saying and do my own research. And then Yes, go to the professionals because at the end of the day, they know what they're doing. I really like that. Maybe a good place to start for many of those listening is if I am a freelancer who has quite a bit of debt and I'm trying to figure out how I can manage my debt and build this practice of financial well-being for myself, what are some ways that I can 
think about getting started or perhaps where should I get started? So that's a great question. I think it really depends on your current situation. But I'd say for me, it started with tracking my spending. If you don't know what's going in and what's coming out, it'll be really hard to get a grip of your finances. So I'd say start there if you haven't already, especially during a pandemic. You need to know <laughs> what you're spending and what's going out. I think for me, I know my numbers really well. Like I know what my fixed expenses are. I know how much I spend roughly on groceries a month. Just to give yourself that idea and to not run away from those numbers. If you have debt, it's knowing every debt. It's knowing your credit score as well. Like check. People are afraid to do that. And I was afraid to do that for a really long time. So I was like, well, it's just bad. It's all bad. But one, sometimes it's really not as bad as you think it is. So my collections didn't report to the credit bureau. So I thought, oh my gosh, I have a terrible credit score. But when I went to check, it was fine because I used to answer their calls and I used to have a relationship with my collections agent. And that made things a lot better. It's like when you run away and hide from these things, I think the old school image of it is like you have all these bills piling up and you don't open them. But now most people don't get <laughs> their bills in the mail, but they're not logging on to see these things. So I think know your numbers. They're yours at the end of the day and you can't face what you don't know. So I'd say that's the second step, knowing where everything is at and your savings, knowing, okay, how much do I want to save and be very specific with your goals and don't be discouraged if you don't meet those goals. Again, we're in a pandemic, you might have lost some clients or you might have more clients. So it's like with financial wellness, you don't want to always have a scarcity mindset where it's like you're always thinking about what could go wrong. Some people have more clients now than they've ever had. So what are you going to do with all that extra money coming in? You want to be ready for that as well. So be mindful that not speaking so poorly about your finances. And that's a mindset thing where you feel like, oh, I don't make enough to save. I'd say try to implement speaking positively about your finances, even when you're not making as much as you did before. And reach out, call your lender, as we said, call to your internet providers, your phone company. Canadians pay so much for phone bills. And you don't even like really think about it. You're like, oh, it's my phone, but I'm going to pay it. Call them. Yes, it takes long and you'll be on hold. <laughs> but say, hey, I've been a customer for X amount of years. What can you do for me? And switch providers if you need be. These little savings go a long way. And as you mentioned, compare your financial products. Don't be paying extra fees if you can. And your service is also helpful to freelancers, right? So know your options and your resources that are available to you. That would be super helpful when you're just starting out. I do want to try something different and maybe do a little bit of an exercise to sort of tackle perhaps some questions people might be thinking about in terms of debt and paying things off. So 
I'll draw up a scenario and see what you think about it. Let's say I have $5,000 on my credit card and then credit cards are 19.99% for most people. And then I have $10,000 on, let's say, my student loan, which is going to charge me 7%, let's assume. And then I have a line of credit, which I owe $15,000 on, and that is around 6%, let's say. In your mind, or at least if you were approaching this, how would you tackle this debt that I have? Oh, I love this. I love this scenario because I'm going to say something a little bit crazy, right? Someone would say to most people, at least what I found in the personal finance advice community, what would happen is you'd say, okay, you can either do the debt snowball or the debt avalanche method. I'm not sure if you if you are familiar with any of those terms, but basically one of them, you pay off your highest debt to your lowest debt first or you pay off your lowest debt first because that will sort of give you encouragement like if you finish one you're like yay i can do this on to the next one and then there's also ones that say pay off your high interest debt first because that's where you're losing the most money personally the way i would approach it and the way that i did approach my debt is i paid off the most emotionally taxing debt first The one that was keeping me up at night, okay? And guess what? It had the lowest interest rate. So that's why I say, like, personal finance advice, you just have to be so careful because, like, with financial well-being, if I had followed everyone's advice, I would have done the high interest debt first, and then I would have been miserable, like, miserable, (laughs) because I needed to get that debt done so that I could move forward with my immigration application basically long story short so it kept me up at night i was like oh my god so i'm gonna get kicked out of canada because of this stupid debt you know what i mean (laughs) so i paid that off first and i'm fine and yes did it take me longer did i lose more money yes technically i haven't done the numbers but because i was paying such a high interest rate on my other debt i definitely lost money but i finished that debt And it really was the best thing I ever did. So in terms of approaching your situation, I would definitely look at, okay, student loans, typically from what I understand, they're really low interest and there isn't that much pressing when it comes to like your credit score and all of that. But what I'd say is just make sure whichever you choose or whichever one I would choose, you have to make your minimum payments on every other debt. Mm -hmm. And I would say don't tackle all of them because you're never going to finish anything. So choose one that you're going to focus on. I would say, you know, in this case, let's go with the high interest rate one so we pay off things quicker. But don't forget to make your minimum payments on the other ones. That's super important. That's something that affects your credit score. If you want to be in good standing with the credit bureaus, you need to be, if you can't pay off your debt in full, which is the best situation, you need to make a minimum payment. I really appreciated that you didn't go for the snowball or the avalanche. I don't know why they're all snow related, but you approached it from like, what is the one that's making me not feel too good? And I think a lot of times that part of the mental health or that part about the 
psychological relationship with our money can sometimes get lost in these discussions. And I've personally definitely been guilty of that as well, too. So I really appreciate it that you brought that. I think in terms of looking at debt overall, I do want to touch a little bit on credit scores. What have your experience been with credit scores and what does credit scores really even mean? And what should freelancers be thinking about when their credit scores are fluctuating on a monthly basis? Another great question and one of my favorite topics, because again, I really go against the grain with this stuff. When it comes to credit scores, chasing a perfect credit score is a waste of time, money, and energy. That's what I want to tell people. There's three reasons for that. A credit score fluctuates. That's how it works. When your lenders and everything that's on your credit report is being reported, it can be at different times. So what you're thinking, okay, I've made my payment on time, so my credit score is going to go up. (laughs) You don't know when the credit bureau is then going to post that payment. So it could actually go down. The other thing is there are multiple credit scores. This came out a few years ago. There's actually a CBC Marketplace article about this or investigation. So the credit score that we see is not the one that your lender sees, the banks and lenders sees. So even in terms of getting your score from like free options, sometimes that score is actually a few weeks behind. So that's a whole other story. But trust me, (laughs) there are multiple scores, which is why when you go and get your mortgage or something, you have to do a credit check through your bank because the one you're seeing is not the one that they're going to use when they're saying, okay, here, we're going to lend you this money. And then the last thing, it's not a moral judgment. If you have a bad credit score, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. So that's why I say there's no need to be chasing the high credit score. And, you know, I did an article about this, what credit health, is is basically that having a credit report that lenders can look at and say, okay, you've been lent money before, they can lend money to you again. It's basically being able to be approved for the best rates and terms, like interest rates. Because when you have a good score and a healthy credit report, you're eligible for better interest rates because you've proven to be credit worthy through their eyes. So if you want to have credit health, you have to implement managing your credit responsibly. But for me, a high credit score, and experts have said this, sometimes you'll have the highest credit score, but there'll be something on your credit report that will flag you and you might not be approved for whatever it is you're trying to go for. So you have to be careful. Like you have to check your credit report at least once a year because too, they make a lot of mistakes. So sometimes you have the wrong information on there that could be affecting your credit score. There's tons of articles on that where someone forgot a payment of like one cent or something (laughs) and they didn't realize it. And then it affected them when they were going to actually use it, like trying to get a a mortgage. It's usually like when you're trying to really borrow a lot of money that you notice these things. So you don't have to monitor your credit report every day. That's not helpful. But checking it at least once a year, making sure everything is accurate, 
you can also call again your lenders where it's like okay it's been a couple of years i've been making my payments on time can you remove this from my file like negotiating with them right if it's really something that's bringing your credit score down but there are websites now where they have coaches where they'll tell you what you need to do to improve your score. I do appreciate all of the thought that you've put into this and not approaching this in a very black and white way, which a lot of the times financial information can be shared and I understand why that can be, but I really do appreciate you bringing the aspect of your overall financial well-being and bringing in mental health to it too. So as we wrap up, I'd love to know where people can find out more about you and your work online. Thanks again so much for inviting me on here. We've had a great conversation, lots of super important things. And if you want to follow along on my current debt payoff journey, I'm finally closer to the finish line. Um, so I'm at Zanos on Twitter and Instagram. That would be the best place to reach me. I am always on Twitter. I feel like I'm a full-time tweeter. And then in terms of my most recent personal finance articles you can find those at lowestrates.ca and forward slash my full name Zandile Chiwanza and yeah please feel free to reach out I love talking about personal finance and financial wellness and I'm always down to meet new people amazing well thank you so much Zandile for this opportunity again I really really appreciate you taking this time well that's our show for today. If you like Freelance Canada, then be sure to subscribe to our newsletter by visiting freelancecanada.fm. You'll get access to all of my personal notes, as well as book recommendations about the topics discussed in the episode. Now, you will not find any of this on our website, so be sure to subscribe if you don't want to miss out. As with most podcasts, you can listen to every episode through Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean a lot if you could leave us a five-star review it would mean even more if you shared our podcast with another freelancer so it can help them in their journey too. Finally, if you're tired of leaving money on the table because you don't know which of your expenses you can write off, then sign up for Benji. You can start your 90-day free trial by visiting betterwithbenji.com because freelance life is better with Benji. Thanks for listening.